Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let me pray for us, and we're going to dive into this a little bit together tonight. Let's pray first. Our Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your kindness. Lord, I thank you tonight for your gentleness that we get to see an upfront view, a front row view of the way it is that you meet us who are so often um, unbelieving, who are so often we, we might claim one thing but live another. Uh, Lord, that you meet us ever with kindness and mercy and grace and gentleness. And Lord, I pray that you would meet us here tonight in that way. Lord, as we look at the truth of your word, as we think about your words to us, as we think about the story, your story, would you be the one who works in us in ways that you alone can? We pray and ask these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. I'm going to start with a favorite. I don't know what your favorite albums are. I've got a lot, but one, this might be weird to you, but 2015, Justin Bieber's Purpose, which is weird to say. I'm in my 40s. Uh, it hit. I'm a, I'm a sucker for uh, a breakup album. This was the famous Selena breakup album. And uh, what do you mean? Just, I mean, they're all bangers. Let's just be real. They're all bangers. But what do you mean? It has a special, I like it a lot. Here's how it goes. If you know it, what do you mean? Oh, oh, when you nod your head yes, but you want to say no. What do you mean? Hey, yeah. When you don't want me to move, but you tell me to go. What do you mean? I want to know. Oh, what do you mean? Ooh, these are just the lyrics from Google. Uh, Said you're running out of time. What do you mean? Oh, baby. Oh, 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 what do you mean? Better make up your mind. What do you mean? That was sorry for that. But what do you mean? What I'm, why I'm leading with that is what do you mean? What do we mean when we say I believe? What do you mean when you say, I believe. The way I want to do it tonight is uh, three, three things, almost always three things, but three things. What does it mean to believe? What is faith? We're talking about what is the nature of faith? What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Here's how I want to do it. One, it's more than information. Two, it's more than inspiration. Three, it's something more like, something more like integration and invitations. A lot of eyes just roll with me. It's something more than information. It's not less than that. It's something more than inspiration. It's not less than that, but it's something more, closer to more like in, uh, integration. I'm going to say what I mean by this, in invitation. Let's just dive in. More is, is, is more than information. Let's start there. Here's where I'm going. Here's what from this passage, especially. Thomas, just think about it for a second. Thomas didn't examine Jesus' scars, then like pull out his stone clipboard and like check off the box and then be like, all right, great, great. What's next? What's next? All right, all right, snapping necks and cashing checks. That's what's next. That's not what he did. He wasn't checking off some sort of, I've got the information now, I'm good. To be sure, I want to be careful, Thomas needed to know, he needed to know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that Jesus really was risen from the dead. And I want you to notice, don't miss this. This is not the main point, but don't miss how gentle Jesus is with skeptics. Don't miss how gentle Jesus is with us in our doubts, in the places that it is hard to believe. Sometimes it's hard to believe uh, just the big sort of facts of our faith. Sometimes that's just like the big facts. Can I really trust the Bible? Is Jesus really risen from the dead? Those are the big facts of our faith. Sometimes it's just hard to believe that. Sometimes it's harder to believe more personally. Maybe you have a story like mine where there's a part of your life where you feel, you feel, if not hurt by God, you feel let down by him. If we're being honest, we struggle to believe. But the main point is to believe is more, it's not less than this, but it's more than to know things or to believe the right things. It's much more than to know or believe the right things. I love the way that Francis Schaeffer says it. He says this, and we've experienced this, I think, in 2020 and 2021 and all of life, all of time. But he's got a quote that I love where he says, Biblical orthodoxy without compassion is surely the ugliest thing in the world. Biblical orthodoxy without compassion is surely one of the ugliest things, if not the ugliest thing in the world. There's a way of thinking what belief is and faith is. We just need to know and believe the right things. But it's more than that. Here's the way I was thinking about it. So I mentioned last week, as I've gotten older, I've just accepted I'm not, a, I'm not really a workout guy. I would like to be. It's healthy for me. I've got to do it in my own personality, which is not trying to compete. I did CrossFit for like two weeks, and I was like, I'm not trying to compete working out. So I've leaned into just walking, big fan of walking. So this week I was on a walk, and I love to walk. I don't know if you've ever experienced the Shandon area behind Five Points. To me, it's a beautiful, especially once you get past sort of the college parts of it. Some of those houses are just stunning. I don't know if you've driven through, like, uh, where Congaree goes or where Santee goes or Saluda. Just some beautiful, beautiful homes. So I'm walking on Edisto. I've not walked in Edisto maybe ever. And I walk past, past this house, and it's just stunningly beautiful. It's massive. Like, I mean, it just looks so expensive. Like, I could never, as a campus minister, live there. But I can dream about it from afar. It was just beautiful. Like, that pink sort of stucco that I'm a sucker for. Maybe that's weird to you. But here was the sadness. No lights on. No cars in the driveway. No one lived there. And it looked like no one had lived there in quite some time. Uh, there's a pastor out of Charleston, who, he's, when he talks about his conversion, this is the way he says it. He says, you know, my parents raised me in the church. Uh, it was like all the furniture was arranged in the right places in the room. And what he's saying is like, I knew all, I knew sound doctrine. Like I knew sound theology. I knew the scriptures. I knew the gospel. But then the Lord had to come and turn the lights on. The Lord had to turn the lights on. In other words, when I think about this house in Edisto, there was no life in it, right? It's beautiful. But there was no life and no light. And I think about how I've done this 16 years. How many students have I met where you, you have, you, you know all the right things. But is there life in it? I think about my own Christian life. How, how many things do I know about Jesus? But how often it can be sadly true for me. Where I'm not leaning into his life and his light and experiencing him for myself. So it's, it's more than information, but two, it's not less than, but it's more than inspiration. Another way to think about it, Thomas didn't look at the nail scars of Jesus, like with, just go with me, like with eyes closed, 
vibing to some Hillsong, gathering inspiration like my mom on Facebook. Like it's not that wasn't the like that wasn't how it went. Like he saw him and he was moved, but it was much more than just sentiment or feeling. Again, let me balance it. No doubt, Thomas felt a lot of things. Think about it. He's seeing the risen Jesus. He is touching the risen Jesus for the first time. You know all the things he must be feeling. He's feeling joy at seeing his friend who he thought was forever dead. Now he's alive again. He's feeling amazement and wonder at the realization this man he has pledged his allegiance to and life to is God, the son of God, risen from the dead. But Thomas doesn't just end this conversation with, wasn't worship amazing today? He literally ends it worshiping at the feet of Jesus. And he says, my Lord my God, my Lord and my God. To believe is more than to feel things, to be inspired, to be happy always. Listen, I say this as a feeler. I don't know what your Myers-Briggs, and we talked about a little bit of Enneagram last week. I don't know what your Myers-Briggs is. I am like a, the highest F you can be. Like I am just a feeler. And so much of my growth in the Christian life is moving from confused, confusing the difference between my feelings and what my faith is actually in. My feelings, my, my faith and trust in Jesus has a lot to do with my feelings. But my feelings never determine the realities of who Jesus is and what he has done. And I don't know about you, but that is a huge comfort to me. Because it means I can have a really bad day. I can have an awful day in terms of my feelings, but it doesn't alter one atom of what Jesus has done for me and who Jesus is to me. Um, and I want you to notice in particular, it is the scars of Jesus that are the main focus. Did you notice that? It is the scars of Jesus that Thomas wants to see and wants to touch. Um, I want to say it like this. So I'm a big, I'm a big food guy. Um, I, I love, loved Anthony Bourdain. Uh, just loved, have seen every episode of No Reservations. If you don't know who Bourdain is, he sort of was a celebrity chef who ended up just more writing. And then he ended up doing this beautiful show for CNN where he visited other cultures in the name of food, but honestly to learn from other cultures. But I saw, I don't know if you saw the documentary about his life that came out over the summer. It's called Roadrunner. Really moving, really hard. If you don't know the story of Bourdain, he ended up killing himself. His best friend, Eric Repair, found him in this hotel in Paris. It's an awful story, and it's a dark story. But there's this moment in the film where they're interviewing, they interview so many of, of Tony's friends, and they're interviewing this one friend. His name is David, it's not David Chang, it's David, I can't remember his last name, David Cho. And he's a, an artist in LA, and he says, like off the bat, he's just fun, really fun interview. He just says, I'm an addict of every kind. He said, like, drugs, yes. Alcohol, yes. Sex, yes. I've done all. I've put, I've, everything. Anything you can be addicted to, I've been addicted to. And what I've learned is I have to be in these rooms. I have to stay in the work where I'm just not going to make it. And he has this line that blew me, blew me away where he's talking about Tony's death. Tony, he was a drug addict, heroin addict at one time. And he says that it just it floored me because I think it's so profoundly true. He said, what I wish Tony had learned is you can never outsmart your pain. What I wish Tony had learned is that you can never, I don't know what your pain is, but you can never outsmart your pain. And what I love about 
this encounter between Jesus and Thomas is Jesus' scars say to you, and you don't have to, bring your pain to me. I'm saying this because I want you to know that so much of the Christian life is not feeling good or feeling happy. C.S. Lewis has that famous line where he says, if Christianity was about man being happy, I want to disavow any notion of that. A bottle of port will do that, but not Jesus. Which is not to say that Jesus doesn't meet us in our feelings and bring incredible joy. But we have to have room for the Psalms. We have to have room for the dark Psalms that say, Lord, have you fallen asleep? Where are you? It's more than inspiration. I love the way that uh, Paul Miller in his book, The J-Curve, he says it like this. It's on your handout. He says, when we look at our faith, we inevitably look at our feelings. And if you ground God's love for you in your feelings, neither your conscience nor your heart will be satisfied. Well, somebody says, looking at your faith will depress you because it's so weak often. Whereas exercising faith by looking to Jesus frees you. We are declared righteous because of Jesus's blood, not by, listen, not by the energy of our faith. Um, let me try it like this. So I'm a, I'm a Marvel nerd. I'm very excited for Shang-Chi. Uh, I've really connected with my, my oldest is 16. She's a junior at AC Flora. And over, over quarantine, COVID, what do we, whatever this time still is, I guess. Over this time, we, we watched a lot of TV, and one of the things we really bonded over were the new Disney Marvel shows. So we did WandaVision first, which was amazing. We did Falcon and Winter Soldier next, which was good, amazing. And then we just finished Loki a month or two ago. And I was surprised by how much I liked Loki. I don't know if you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Loki is Thor's brother, kind of, adopted brother. He is, has godlike powers like Thor does. But the thing about Loki is he is crafty, right? He is sneaky, And he seems just like a full-blown narcissist because all Loki ever does is use his powers for himself. He just does. Like, he uses his powers just for his own agenda, for his own reasons, for his own self. And the beauty, if you saw Loki, if you didn't, it's fine, but the beauty of Loki, why it's worth watching, is you watch him, and part of what I learned in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is there are multiple versions of Loki, so Loki kind of comes face-to-face with himself, and the beauty of it is he finally meets something greater than himself and meeting the timekeepers and this mission of de- defeating them that brings him finally out of himself into, and I think the show does a great job with this, actual self-sacrificial love. And part of what I want you to know is there is a way of doing the Christian life where it is more about your feelings than it is about Jesus. And what I hope will never happen if you hang around or you have for very long is I want to make it abundantly clear to you you will be either so self-righteous or so depressed. But the good news is that's not where we have to stay. Because faith is meant not for us to look at our feelings or to look at our faith, but to look to Jesus. And that's the last thing I want you to see. So it's more than information. It's more than inspiration. And the last thing I want you to see is it's more like, I'm going to say it like this, integration and invitation. Here's what I mean. Thomas was both convinced and moved to respond to Jesus. His two questions were, did this really happen? And does it really matter for me? They're great questions. And the gentle, the gentle answer from Jesus is yes. It did really happen. I really did go to the cross from you and I really did rise from the dead. And yes, it has everything to do with you. Because Thomas, I went to the cross for you and I rose again for you. 
Integration. Here's what I mean by that. We need both information and inspiration. Here's what I mean by this. We need both. If we're going to grow as Christians, if we're going to be convinced of Christianity, if we're going to grow as Christians, we have to have two things. We have to have sound doctrine. We have to understand what does the Bible actually teach? What is the gospel actually, if we could define it, what, what does it say to us? What is the truth? But we also have to have encouragement and experience with Jesus and with his people in ways where we are connecting relationally with him. I love the way that Tim Keller says it. Let me try it like this. Tim Keller says, when you think about it, I love fall. It's too, way too hot. If you're new to Columbia, I'm so sorry. It's, it's going to be hot for another like two months and then it gets a little cool. But I love when it gets just cool enough to do a fire. And Keller likes to say, when you're thinking about building a solid fire, I'm proud to say, like there were years of my life where I thought, I'm really glad my grandfather's not alive to to watch me try to build a fire because it just wasn't manly. Uh, But I've grown in it. I've learned some things. But what do you need for a good fire? You you can say it, but don't say it. I'll say it. Uh, We need good, dry wood. We need good wood. And we need, I guess, good fire. (laughs) Good fire is not the right way to say it. We need fire. And Keller says, what do you need to grow as a Christian? You need sound doctrine. You need information. You need to keep growing. What does the Bible actually say? What does it mean for you? And you need to keep growing in your dependence upon his spirit and growing in the fruit of the spirit and keeping in step with the spirit. It has to be both. It has to be both. Let me say it like this, but it's also an invitation. And the way it's an invitation, this is the biggest thing I want to leave you with, is your, our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. There is a way of making our faith about our faith. We do it all the time. But our faith is not in our faith. It's in Jesus. And the the good news in that is even the weakest faith has the same Jesus as the strongest does. I love the way that Keller says it. He'll say like this. He says, oh gosh, where's my quote? It's on your handout, maybe? I'm just going to lean into this little algorithm. He says it right here. He says, It is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. Let me say it like this. To believe is more than knowing a lot of theology or believing or knowing the right things. To believe is more than feeling a lot of things, having a lot of, of experiences as if following Jesus always led us to just vibing like that. To believe is, is more than simply doing the right things. Uh, to believe instead, this is the invitation, to believe is to collapse, to collapse upon Jesus and trust that he really is more beautiful and faithful than you know. To believe is to keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus, to look for him in every corner of scripture, to go to him with all of your doubts and struggles and desires. To believe is to know that there is so much you don't know, but one thing that you do know for sure that in all of your pain, Jesus is with you in gentleness and great love. In all of your confusion, Jesus meets you with compassion and understanding. In all of your struggle, Jesus meets you with understanding and grace and strength to keep going, to believe is to, by God's grace and with his help, keep going. 
in the face of all your struggles and sins and fears and doubts and insecurities to keep moving toward him and his people. Um, it's something better. I love Ted Lasso. I've mentioned this last week. Ted Lasso has been a, such a fun show for us. But just if you know that show at all, the sign that he has in the locker room that just says believe. And he has that quote where he points to it and says, I believe in believe. I believe in hope. And it's moving. We've got something better. Because what we believe in is not an idea. It's not a sentiment. It's a person. It's the Son of God who went to the cross and died for you and for me in love and then rose again from the dead that you and I might forever be accepted before the Father because of what Jesus has done for us and to know that he's not going anywhere and his love for you is forever and it's secure I'm going to close with this. And this, this might work. This might not. We're going to try it. So, again, uh, got four kids, three teenagers. <laughs> we are going to try this. This might just be awkward. It's okay. Uh, I'm lear- I learn all kinds of things, right? Three teenagers. I'm learning. I'm in my 40, 41. I'm learning things I just don't know. And this is where you guys are so helpful. We were talking about this at freshman group if you were there. Um, so I learned this phrase. This is going to be a little awkward, and we're just going to lean into it. I learned this phrase this week where I was like, I genuinely have no idea what this means. I'm going to Google it. And the phrase was this. The context was uh, attractive uh, female TikToker, and the phrase was, can I get some bath water? And I was like, okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that means. I don't, that doesn't sound good to me, right? It, just does, it sounds a little bit um, creep, creepy at best or just very sexual at worst. So I'm like trying to... I'm having like a freak out moment. Like I don't, you know, I want my kids to love Jesus. I don't want this to be the thing. So I'm like Googling and I'm like, what I Google is like not, it could have been worse, but it's not great. Talk to some of the freshmen. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's not great. It could be worse. It's not as bad as maybe you think. And maybe one of you can tell me, no, it's as bad as you think. And I'm so sorry if this is just awkward. We're just going for it. Because what I think I understand, again, one of you correct me. What I think I understand is it's a way of saying you're thirsty. <laughs> Still isn't better. But it's a way of saying you're, you're, you're thirsty for someone. Still, again, not, I can't nuance all of it. You'll just, if, uh, it's a way of saying you're thirsty for someone. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I don't know that this is going to work, but we're going to try it. Um, <laughs> this is not going to work. But you are here for it. Uh, can I say it like this? We, you, you are, we, you are, we are thirsty and we're, this doesn't work. We are thirsty to believe, we, I'm going to, I'm going to bring Atlanta playing. We are thirsty to believe in something. We are, we are. I said it last week, the yard signs. We are, we are, we genuinely are, if I can just try to bring us back. We are thirsty to believe in something. And why we're doing what we're doing this semester is it really is. We have in the Apostles' Creed that is Jesus. The Apostles' Creed is the story of Jesus. We start, we're going to start next week with his father, and then we get to Jesus, and then we get to his spirit, and then we get to his people. But that's the Apostles' Creed. Uh, let me really try to bring it back. Look at that quote. I'll end with this. I love that quote from Rebecca McLaughlin. She's got a great book called Confronting Christianity. If you are um, someone who, when RUF is a place where, gosh, if you're skeptical or like, I hate Jesus, but we're so glad you're here, or you know what I mean. We're really, really glad you're here. When you're, this is a place that's safe with your doubts. This is a place that is safe for you to struggle, truly. We're so glad you're here. But here's, her book is really great for 
any sort of skeptical question. It's called Confronting Christianity. And here's how she opens it. She says, often we observe from a distance. When we observe from a distance, we misinterpret. Look up at the night sky and you will see much darkness. But train a telescope on the blackest patch and a million galaxies explode into view. John Lennon dreamed of a religion-free world where there would be nothing to kill or die for. But staring into the dark night of segregation, Martin Luther King preached an antithetical message that there are some things so dear, something so precious, something so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And I submit to you that if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. What do we believe? It's more than information. It's more than inspiration. It really is centered on what it means to know Jesus and to follow him. That's what we've been given to live and die for. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for the ways you meet us. Uh, Would you continue to meet us tonight? Lord, I pray that you would. um, Those of us who feel lonely, would you meet us in our discouragement? Those of us who feel depressed, would you meet us in our sadness? Uh, Lord, those of us who are just struggling and are afraid to even name what it is that we've done or experienced, Lord, would you give us the grace of your gentleness, your kindness to us? Would you give us with each other a safe place to be honest? Um, So, Lord, we, we thank you for tonight. We pray these things for Christ in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our last song.